Welcome, everyone. This is Christy Balsells. I'm the Executive Director of MitoAction, and today is the 10th of July, 2009. Our topic today is uh, medical foods, and our guest speakers are from Solace Nutrition. And I just want to say that we're very excited to include Solace in our conversation today because in talking with Mark and Nancy, who are going to share a little bit more about themselves momentarily, I've just felt a real sense that they are very interested in not only mitochondrial disorders from the disease perspective, but also in the patients who have the disease. And they really understand the impact that something that we can take right now can have on our quality of life. And that anything that alleviates symptoms or provides more energy really does make a big difference. And I've really appreciated that from their company, so I'm excited to introduce them to you today. And I know that they're excited to speak to you as well. So, Mark and Nancy, I'm going to let you tell a little bit about yourself, and uh, we'll just jump right into the topic, and then we'll open the lines for questions, okay? That's fine. Nancy, why don't you introduce yourself first, and then I'll follow up with an introduction and then go into the basic definition of medical food so we have a basic understanding and a platform from where to start. Okay, sure. Hi, hi everybody. I'm Nancy Moore. I'm the Director of Clinical Affairs at Solus Nutrition. Um, professionally, I'm a registered dietitian, and I have about 11 years of clinical experience and and I worked for another seven years for a company in a product development of medical foods uh, before joining Solus Nutrition. Um, and currently, uh, we are uh, very excited to be developing uh, new products for diseases such as mitochondrial disease. And um, I'll let Mark take it from here to explain to you what our focus is um, on medical foods. Well, thank you, Nancy. My name is Mark Dufresne, and um, I'm I've been involved in the medical food industry since 1985, so um, a lot of the physicians that you actually probably see as a result of your mitochondrial disease or your family members, um, I've actually known for quite a number of years um, throughout the United States and throughout Canada and the rest of the world. Um, as I said, I've been involved since 1985 in medical foods, um, specifically products for inborn errors in metabolism, which would include products um, for phenylketonuria, tyrosinemia, homocystinuria. I had the pleasure of being involved in adrenal leukodystrophy with Lorenzo's oil, um, and a variety of other products that have actually either stopped the progression of diseases, um, abated the disease, or have improved the quality of life of many of the people. So I'm very proud to have had the association with this unique classification of um, products within FDA. And what I thought I would do is just give people a background about what medical foods are, and then I'll turn it over to Nancy for specific information uh, regarding two of our products, um, Cyto-Q and Cytotine, and then it will revert back to me for the final um, product, which will be our D-ribose or the Cytos. So the history of medical foods basically goes back to the 1970s when medical foods were a direct result of the development of a blood test which eventually led to newborn screening. And that was called the Guthrie test. And that was developed in 1963. And basically 
changed and revolutionized the way that individuals at birth were screened for a variety of diseases, that being PKE and homocystinuria, hypocholesterolemia, um, cystic fibrosis, a variety of diseases, um, which now number in some states up to 28 different tests that are done at birth. But what happened is that a test was developed for PKU, phenylketonuria, and that resulted in a treatment that was available, which was a diet that was rather disgusting in taste, but was devoid of an offending amino acid called phenylalanine, which would cross the blood-brain barrier and result in irreversible mental retardation of the patients. And at that time, there were probably about 400 patients a year that were born with PKU. But if you add the, that 400 up for a 50-year period, you start, you start to see that there were 20,000 people in the United States who were affected with a disease that could be combated through early intervention. So in the 1970s, um, the product was classified by FDA as a drug. And with only 400 individuals that were affected by the disease, you could see that it would be impossible for a company to actually invest in the development. So FDA relaxed the regulations regarding these products and reclassified them as medical foods, um, eventually to fall under the Orphan Drug Act, under Bush 41, and to be incorporated as a way of preventing severe crippling deficiencies in individuals. So there are probably realistically in terms of real inborn errors of metabolism, medical foods, probably about 40 different types of products, but those 40 products are based on an infant formula, an adolescent formula, and an adult formula. And I'm very proud to have been associated with this because I've actually seen infants who were born with PKU um, and are now actually college graduates who have gone on to be full productive members of society. And without this early intervention, um, they would have a life that would be institutionalized. So medical foods have revolutionized um, the way that individuals are treated with these rare diseases. Now, one of the criteria, there, there have to be around four or five different criteria that need to be present in a formula for it to be classified as a medical food. And it has to be specifically formulated for the exclusive or partial feeding of a patient who takes an oral or enteral feed. It's intended for the dietary management of a patient who, because of a therapeutic or chronic medical need, has limited, has limited capacity to ingest or absorb specific foodstuffs. Um, it provides nutritional support for the management of a unique medical condition, and it must be used under strict medical supervision, and it's only intended for a specific class of individuals who are receiving active and ongoing medical supervision. It's not for the general population. It's a non-consumer product. And the last category is something, it must have a classification which is referred to as GRAS, 
an, an acronym commonly referred to as GRASS, which means generally recognized as safe. And that is a substance that can be a food additive or a vitamin mineral, something that is a non-toxic, non, non, um, a registered product or a product that has been self-affirmed by the company to be safe to be consumed by individuals. So that's a basic introduction of the products. Um, so Solus Nutrition is a company that has many, many ideas and many, many avenues that we're pursuing. Um, we are very involved with the professionals and the patients in mitochondrial disease, as Christy has said. Um, I have been, and Nancy has also been involved in actually meeting patients, uh, meeting families. Um, I knew Lorenzo Odoni, um, the child who suffered from the leukodystrophy, from the time he was eight years old until his passing last year, um, and had been involved with the family very, very much. And that's one of the unique things about our company. We're not only making products for individuals who have the disease, but we're really partners with the patients. And we try to cater to their needs and also their insurance needs and to make sure that we are there should there be questions or concerns or if there are new product developments that we are there to step up to the plate to make sure that we can commercialize those products. So with that, um, I, I drew the rock, paper, scissors. I'm going to draw, uh, turn it over to Nancy. She can start talking about um, our coenzyme Q10 product, a liposomal form of coenzyme Q10, um, which is ubiquinol. So Nancy, do you want to take over? I hope you haven't dropped off your phone and left me here by myself. <laughs> You're, no, 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 I'm much. here. And, and thank you for that. And Nancy and Mark, I'll also just say that um, if you have any info as you're talking about the different supplements that you feel like are just general helpful information, um, feel free to chime in on that as well. So that because uh, it it tends to be very puzzling to folks when they get a script from the doctor or a recommendation, sometimes not even a script, that they should go take CoQ10 or ubiquinol, and then they really just don't even know where to begin and why they would be taking it and what's the mechanism of action and how long they should take it before they expect to see effects. And, and the more you can illuminate us, the, the better off we'll all be. So thanks. And you did a great job so far, Mark. So great. So you expect me to crash and burn later on, Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so go ahead, Nancy. Yeah, okay. I'm going to talk about two of our three products that we have for mitochondrial disease. The first one is called Cyto-Q, uh, which is a form of coenzyme Q10. And our form, um, we have been uh, very fortunate and lucky enough to be able to partner with a company called Tishcon, which many of you I'm sure are aware of. And um, our CytoQ is actually a very high bioavailable form of CoQ10, and it has, it's a liposomal ubiquinol, um, and it is categorized as a medical food for the dietary management of mitochondrial cytopathies. Um, what is different from our form of CoQ10 and that that you find on the market is that the majority of the CoQ10 on the market um, as a um, over-the-counter supplement is in the form of ubiquinone. And um, ubiquinone um, is just a reduced uh, form of uh, CoQ10. 
um, ubiquinol, which is the form that CETOQ is, is new and it's a more effective form of CoQ10 and it's an unoxidized form of CoQ10, meaning that it hasn't uh, been reduced yet, it hasn't been exposed to oxygen. Um, and the difference that you can see visually is that our CETOQ is actually milky white in appearance and the ubiquinone form that you'll find over the counter is an orangey, uh, is orangey in color. Um, so our CoQ10 um, comes in a uh, orange pineapple liquid, and it's actually been dosed for the pediatric population or the population that has a kind of smaller daily requirements of CoQ10. Um, in 10 milliliters, which is two teaspoons, there is 80-80 milligrams of ubiquinol. Um, for those who are wondering why we even need coenzyme Q10, um, coenzyme Q10 actually works in the electron transport chain, which is found within the mitochondrion. And coenzyme Q10, or ubiquinol, actually carries electrons from cytochrome to cytochrome, and we need that electron transfer for the whole um, proper reaction to occur so that we end up with an actual um, high amount of ATP produced in the mitochondria. And without coenzyme Q10, we do not have a transfer of electrons, which would actually decrease the amount of ATP um, produced. So in effect, coenzyme Q10 actually plays a large role in our final production of ATP within the mitochondrion. Um, I'll move on to cytotine, and I think we can actually go back to CytoQ and all our other products um, as you um, ask questions to us. So I'll just give you kind of a general overview of how our products work. Um, cytotine. Go ahead, Christine. No, I was just saying that's that's perfect because I'm sure folks will have some specific questions as well. So the yeah. overview is great. Go ahead. Okay, great. So our second product we have is called Cytotene, which is a um, stabilized form of creatine monohydrate. And again, it is considered a medical food. Um, what is different from Cytotene um, is that um, it, we've licensed the technology from a company that has, has been able to um, have a very unique form of uh, stabilizing the creatine monohydrate. And basically what happens to any creatine over-the-counter supplement is that in powder form it is stable and it remains creatine. But as soon as you add it to a, a water, a fruit juice, a energy drink uh, when it um, gets into contact with the acid of our stomach, it actually is converted to creatinine. And creatinine is actually um, a quote-unquote toxic byproduct of creatine. Um, everybody produces creatine from the metabolism of, of, or produces creatinine from the breakdown of creatine every day in our muscles. And our kidneys actually excrete the byproduct, creatinine, um, so that we don't have a buildup of it. And basically, creatinine is a, is a, function, is a function of, of our kidneys. So when somebody is having kidney failure um, and needs dialysis, um, 
their creatinine levels are very high in the blood, and very high creatinine levels cause side effects uh, such as uh, drowsiness and headaches, and uh, the person generally feels horrible, out of energy all the time, and that's due to a, a buildup of creatinine in a, um, a patient who has um, kidney failure. So why I'm telling you this is that um, cytotene actually has a patented technology where the creatine has been stabilized so that when it does come into contact with water, fruit juice, and the acid of our stomach, it remains in the creatine form long enough to be absorbed into our blood as creatine. And because it stays as creatine, we don't have the side effects that a lot of patients feel when they're on on a normal over-the-counter creatine supplement. Um, There's no stomach cramping or bloating or headaches um, felt by these patients when they take cytotine. Um, And because there is no conversion of creatine to creatinine, uh, you actually get a more effective gram uh, for gram um, dosage. So when you actually take one and a half grams of creatine in the form of cytotine, you will be delivering to yourself and absorbed uh, 1.5 grams of creatine monohydrate. Um, A lot of people are actually taking much higher doses of creatine at the moment. Uh, That is because uh, when you take, uh, for example, a 10-gram dose of an over-the-counter product, you're not going to be receiving, um, you, you will not absorb the full 10 grams of creatine. A lot of that will be converted to creatinine. Um, and this, Christy, you're breaking up. Oh, tell us a little bit about why you would take creatine in the first place. Well, Nancy, creatine. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Great. Yeah, I can. Uh, creatine is um, is I guess part of the uh, helps us produce ATP in that. Um, when you have creatine plus a, a phosphorus, you get creatine phosphate. And that phosphorus that's attached to the creatine actually is given up. That, that creatine can hold on to the phosphate, and when more phosphate is needed to make ATP, the creatine gives up the, the phosphorus part of the molecule and is able to give it to the ADP to make ATP. So. And in a way that creatine phosphate is kind of a um, storage um, pool of phosphorus that can be given up to ADP to make ATP. And this happens on the outer mitochondrial membrane where creatine is converted to uh, creatine phosphate via um, a process called the the CKC uh, pathway. Thank you. Okay. Um, what I want to talk about, and well, before I pass the uh, phone back to Mark here, um, is that um, because our products are called medical foods and they are classified within the FDA as medical foods, they do have um, a chance, uh, more so than an OTC supplement, uh, for reimbursement. 
Um, and each of our products has an NDC, which is a national uh, drug code associated with it. Um, and before we all hang up this afternoon, we will review the uh, how a physician, if they're going to suggest you use one of our products, um, it's very important that this NDC code gets written on the prescription for the product. So um, it's the classification of medical food is a very important one and uh, very important to you because it increases the chances of reimbursement. So, um, Mark, if you don't mind, you can continue with ribose. Sure. Um, as you know, Nancy's been talking about Cyto-Q and Cytotene, and the third product is a product called Cytos. We've chosen the name, the, the prefix C-Y-T-O, just because it refers to cellular, um, hence the, the concept of adding the prefix cyto. Um, all of our products relating to energy metabolism and, and the organelles involved in energy um, will have this prefix of cyto. Um, we feel it's easy for people to remember that, and the, um, the idea of being able to do that is also so that you can really tell what are, are the mitochondrial products within our product offering. So the third product, um, we have many other products that are in development, but these are the three that we will be able to talk about. I have an announcement to make after I finish this, um, is, the cyt or is the ribose, the D-ribose, which is our cytose. Um, we really developed this because we realized that the National Institutes of Heart, Lung, and Blood um, actually convened a meeting with clinical investigators and cardiologists back in um, 2007. And they identified that a lot of mitochondrial dysfunction and coronary heart disease are actually interrelated. Um, and they really identified that there was a disconnect between the individuals who were doing mitochondrial work and the individuals who were doing coronary, the, the cardiologists and people who were doing different types of um, ischemic injury and protection and heart failure research. So that the idea of the, the combining of the mitochondrial function and the cardiac function actually came out of NIH. Um, the, as many of you know, um, the whole issue of mitochondrial disease is actually an energy depleting disease. Um, Nancy's talked about Cyto-Q, which is a cofactor involved in energy transport, um, the creatine monohydrate, which is actually an ATP generator, and ribose follows in that same vein. It actually is um, mainly used in cardiovascular disease, which is, I believe, secondary to mitochondrial um, disease in about 60% of the patients. And adults who have tried to lower their risk of cardiovascular disease have tried to improve their diet, to quit smoking, control high blood pressure, or to exercise regularly. But in the mito patients, this is not something that people typically have as either a bad habit or is something that they really are trying to do. The real problem with a lot of the mitochondrial patients is that they have depressed levels of 
key components in their mitochondrial tissues or in their, mito in their mitocardial tissues, which actually reduce heart function. So D-ribose, which is a naturally occurring sugar, I, I'm sure all of you have heard of glucose. Anything with the OSE at the end is denoting a sugar compound. It's been extensively researched both in animal and clinical human studies as an agent to enhance recovery of depressed energy compounds. And D-ribose actually adds the function of ATP to the pool to be able to generate both um, DNA, RNA, and energy in the form of ATP. So that's our third compound that we have. Um, as we discussed earlier, we will be talking candidly off uh, the recording about other products that we have. But I can make an announcement today. Um, we have just found out that we will have a concentrated form of coenzyme Q10 delivered to us early um, in August, which will allow for a tenfold increase in the concentration of Cyto-Q that Nancy was referring to earlier. So the product will actually be, I believe it's 100 milligrams per mil of product in the liposomal form. Is that correct, Nancy? I, I want to be sure that it's not yes. 800. Eight, yeah. No, that's it's correct. It's 100 milligrams per mil of product. So wow, Mark, for those, that's great. That's really um, fantastic for the mito population because, uh, you know, a starting dose for a child is often 250 milligrams of the coenzyme Q10. So that, that would be a lot in an 80 milligram per 10 mil concentration. But in a 100 milligram per 1 mil concentration, then you're talking about less than 3 cc's for a child That's who correct. is on a 250 milligram dose. That's fantastic news. Yeah, and we've actually developed that not because of our own intellect and our pursuit of new products. It was actually by talking to patients and talking to doctors like Dr. Corson and Dr. Parikh and Dr. Cohen and Dr. Barshop and, you know, the leading people in this field that we really look to for advice and um, the concept of being able to give someone a 200 milligram dose in two mils of product that can easily be mixed into a, a juice drink and so forth makes the patient's life easier and also improves the compliance, which then in turn helps the doctor better treat the disease. So we're all about looking at ways to improve what the patient has to consume, but also with the realization that this will affect the outcome of the patients. Mark, that's great. Now, so are, are we ready to open the line for some questions and discussion? I think everybody signed off, Christy. No, <laughs> I have them on mute, I Mark, so everybody I, oh, okay. I, I'm asking you, are you ready? And we'll open the line for some questions and discussion then. I okay? think we're ready. We are. Okay, perfect. I'll unmute everyone now, and then you'll hear all the noise. Okay. All right, so everyone is uh, available now for, for questions. So um, like we did the introductions, we'll just take turns, and if you'll just give us a, a quick introduction and then um, ask the question. Uh, to remind everybody, if you're in a place where you feel like the background noise 
for yourself might be distracting because we're still recording the call so that others can benefit from the info in the future. Um, you can use star six to mute or unmute your own line or the mute button on your own phone. But we'll just take turns so you can jump right in and who would like to uh, comment or ask Mark and Nancy the first question. Well, this is Sue Gale, and I have a quick question. These products, are they available like online to anybody, or do you need a prescription for each one of them? Uh, that's a good quick question, uh, Sue. The, the products actually re require medical supervision. So okay. uh, on our website, there's actually a section that will require you to fill in your doctor's name and his, um, your diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes when a sample is requested, we will get a consent form that we keep mm -hmm. on file, um, and that's good for one year. Okay. The FDA laws um, regarding the products and distribution of these products is that they're generally not available at retail level. Mm -hmm. So if you look at our site and just peruse our site, we're actually very proud of the way that we've set up our site, which is solusnutrition.com. Okay, um, it, it, it allows for people both to learn about our products, but we've also added what we call a reading room, which has an extensive library of the most up-to-date um, papers and articles and PowerPoint presentations on the disease, the treatment, um, and it's not biased. I mean, if there's information that's, that's controversy, controversial about a particular compound, we will post that as well because um, we really believe in true science. And science is the quest for absolute truth. And if there is a controversy about a product, we want that information to be out there as well. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Sue. Are there any other details that you'd like to share, Mark and Nancy, at this time, then, on the process a patient would need to go through in order to, um, let's say they have a physician who's not, not familiar with CytoQ, but has just recommended that they take CoQ10. Is, are there any other details that you would tell folks in that process? Nancy, I think you're up. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Christy, that, that's a, a good point. Um, if you are going to be uh, prescribed or suggested to use Cyto, um, Coenzyme Q10, our product again is called CytoQ. Um, the physician should write on your prescription a reimbursement code. And um, you can find the code on our website, and I can give it to you now. Um, there's actually two codes for CytoQ just because um, we've changed our packaging. And when you change a, 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 the outer box, the product itself has not changed, but the outer box changed. And so we had to change our code. Um, so the first code is 577. Seven one that's three sevens dash zero zero seven zero dash one zero or the new code is five seven 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 one dash zero 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 seven dash zero one and this when you are prescribed um, cytoq you can take your prescription to your uh, your uh, pharmacist. And this reimbursement code that I just gave you will mean something to the pharmacist, and he can actually look it up and, um, and have it 
uh, compared to your insurance coverage or your plan, and uh, that code actually says uh, tells them whether this product in this category will be covered or not. So that's an important code for you to, in order to um, obtain reimbursement. Um, other than that, if if for some reason um, you are denied reimbursement, uh, don't give up right away. Um, we can send your physician a medical necessity letter, which is often um, uh, mandatory for some insurance companies that they receive a medical necessity letter for a medical food. Um, and we have these letters in template form in which your physician can just alter it uh, to suit your needs. And that letter then will also be sent to the insurance company. So there's um, two or three steps that takes place before you um, kind of give up uh, if you're at first denied reimbursement to your insurance company. Um, if for some reason you'll just be paying out of pocket, it's easiest to order directly online from us or you can phone us and place your order. Um, that way it will be cheaper for you. You won't incur the cost of going through the pharmacy um, yourself. Um, and like Mark just mentioned, when you order online, there will be a set of questions you'll need to answer. You'll need to provide your physician's uh, name and phone number, which is a way for us to make sure that you are under medical supervision, um, and then we deliver the product directly to your house. Christy, may I also follow up on what your question as well? Um, sure. Oftentimes, you know, we have been in contact with a lot of the leading centers, but some of the people, uh, you know, whether you be in Chicago or Indiana or Texas, um, some of the physicians are not aware of the product, although you know, I, I can name the physicians just about in every state that are aware of the product. And oftentimes the best source of information that a physician has, and you might disagree with this, Christy, being that your husband is a physician, actually is it comes from the patients. And the patients actually do inform physicians about new treatments or new methodologies of treatment that, the that sometimes the physician is not aware of. Um, so if you prescribe a coenzyme Q10 and you want your physician to consider the um, Cyto-Q, oftentimes it might behoove you to actually bring that up to the physician so that the physician can make the determination what product he would prefer you to be on. I actually think that uh, one of the premises behind MitoAction is that the patient is their is the best advocate. So, um, the I think that we often, as patients or parents of the affected children, are the ones who know best what we need because we do it every day. And so, um, so that's where I feel like the opportunity for, as an example, for you guys to speak about this today gives us the information that we're then empowered to go do a better job caring for ourselves or for the people that we care for with Mito because we know what it means to to see their energy dip or to to have to administer um, 25 mLs of something yucky, right. you know, <laughs> um, or for many of the adult patients I hear, you know, stories of taking handfuls of CoQ10 that they buy in an over-the-counter bottle, and um, so it's important. Um, well, yeah, and, and I think that that's our premise of, you know, our mission and our philosophy. Let me give you another example that I can actually talk about something that we're 
in the latter stages of development. And I know that um, I'll probably hear my cell phone ring as soon as I start mentioning this, but I'll turn it off, Nancy, so you don't have to call me. Um, <laughs> we're actually in the process of developing a completely tasteless riboflavin product. Um, riboflavin, I don't know, most of the people who have complex 1 or complex 2 um, mitochondrial disease have got to consume between 400 and 800 or maybe 100 to 800 milligrams of riboflavin a day. And I don't know if anybody's ever tried to crush a riboflavin tablet for better absorption or have tried to consume um, riboflavin, but it is an extremely bitter and nasty tasting compound. We've been able through um, a variety of contacts and technology um, have been able to develop a riboflavin that's completely tasteless um, and can be cons the product you will have to take more of the product, but that's because the product is coated so that you won't have the gastric problems with the product, um, you won't have the bitter taste in the mouth, and more importantly for everyone who has ever had to clean clothes that have had riboflavin spilled on them, it won't stain as readily as as natural riboflavin. Riboflavin is actually used as a dye, and if you've ever had a child who has either regurgitated or has spilled riboflavin, it will leave an absolutely indelible um, tie-dye 1960 hippie shirt looking thing on uh, anybody who has spilled. So th that's one of the examples of how Solus comes to the, the forefront in being able to develop products that um, allow us to be different from other people who are just manufacturing pills and OTC products. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's open the floor for more questions. Who else would like to ask a question of Nancy or Mark? I have a question. Okay, I heard two, so we'll, we'll get to both of you. So um, I don't know who they are, so go, <laughs> one of you go first. Go ahead. Ellen? From Go ahead, Ellen. Yeah. Hi, I'm an adult patient. I have a couple of questions. You mentioned about the um, Cyto-Q being, I believe you said, dosed for the pediatric population. Is there going to be a version for adults? Yeah, I, I believe that um, in probably the first week of August um, or thereabouts, I'm probably pushing that a little bit, we will develop a, um, a concentrate form of the product. Um, it will be an unflavored unsweetened product that would be highly concentrated, and it would be 100 milligrams per mil. So it would have to be mixed in with a juice or some sort of other vehicle for administration because um, in its concentrated form, it is a, uh, let's just say, on the unpalatable scale, we've developed a new scale. <laughs> so, so the pediatric one doesn't make, it's already in this, or in pineapple liquid, you don't need to make yeah, anything. Yeah, that, that's something happen. that, right. Yeah, you, you, it, when you get into the questions of being able to make a concentrate form of a, a product that is a cofactor in enzyme um, pathways and production of, of energy and so forth, the compound is not a pleasant tasting compound. And to get the concentration up to where we need it, it to be, it will not have the benefits of having a sweetener or a flavoring agent. That will be something that will be determined by the individual. And oftentimes, people who might be on a high dose of product, such as a concentrate Cyto-Q, would be tube-fed. 
and there would be no need to concentrate or, or I'm sorry, to dilute the product with a juice to be able to tube feed. It could be mixed right in with the formula. You said you're going to be developing that. When do you think it might actually be available? It should be. We actually have gotten word that we're getting our shipment very shortly. Oh, okay. um, so it, it's it's a matter of weeks. Mm -hmm. And um, with it, the, the uh, cytos, is that something you mentioned about you know cardiovascular disease? Or is that only for folks with cardiac issues or for the general mito population? Well, generally, uh, if you look at the organs that have the highest concentration of energy use, it's usually the heart, um, brain, and the digestive system, particularly the liver. Um, so the the heart issue, you normally see cardio issues develop um, with mito patients as, as they age, but the general tissues of the heart are extremely energy dependent. So the idea, I, I don't know, if maybe we could have somebody who actually is on a, um, a ribose product speak directly to this. There's nothing like a patient endorsement of a um, of somebody who is on I ribose. Am. I don't. You are, you are on we ribose. We have okay. somebody who's, who mentioned they were on it. So yeah. um, go ahead. It was it was Rachel. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah, Rachel. Um, I don't actually have heart problems that I know, <laughs> um, but for me, it's um, I take the deribose three times a day, and if I miss a dose. It'll kind of feel like my body's shutting down, and this is normally like I don't realize I've missed a dose, so it's not all in my head. Um, and it's like I'll just get really tired and feel the energy draining out of me, and then like if I try to get up to walk, then um, my muscles will just give way, um, mm -hmm. and I'll splat. So I don't, like I said, I, I've had the tiny bit of heart problems, but I never um, thought of it as helping my heart. I use the deribose just because it gives me a lot more energy and I can function better. Yeah, and you know, when you think about just the organelles in the body that are high energy producers, I mean the heart and brain are, are those two main organs. So, you know, even though you might not have a heart problem, just the idea of energy and cardiac output are extremely important. Right. Well, it's um, really easy, like, um, if, if I'm tired and I'm strolling, then my heart rate will go way up, whereas if I'm not as tired, then I can walk faster and my heart won't go to the same heart rate. <laughs> so I think it does vary a lot. And yeah, if you need energy and you don't have it, then lots of things yeah. are affected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that one thing that we should really emphasize here is that neither Nancy or I are physicians, and all of these products should be used with the endorsement and the consultation and the supervision of your physician because your physician knows how best you are physically, mentally, um, and what kind of energy level or energy depletion diseases that you have. So I caution everyone that, you know, we will not be giving advice as to what products you should be using, sure. but it is important that the individuals consult with their physicians because the physician is your primary source of information and also being able to assist you specifically with the type of mitochondrial disease that you have. With that caveat, um, do you have any uh, general recommended uh, dosage ranges for the different products? That, that would really be determined by the physician. Um, you know, 
It depends on what enzyme dysfunction is going on. And as I said earlier, for example, coenzyme Q10, it's a cofactor, um, as is riboflavin and magnesium and zinc and a variety of other products that are used in the proliferation of energy through an enzyme cascade. So you're, there, is, there was talk about mitococktails and so forth, and there's not a universal mitococktail. Every individual, depending on their disease and depending on what enzyme defect they have, is really, a, really has their own unique set of issues that need to be addressed. I mean, you can make a basic cocktail, but the, the, the symptomatology of each individual is usually unique. And you know, some people require higher doses of riboflavin. Other people require um, niacin. Other people require uh, selenium. Some other people will be looking at alpha-lipoic acid. Um, those compounds, or carnitine. Carnitine, a fat metabolizing um, amino acid, quasi-amino acid, is, is important in, in fat metabolism um, and is often used to make sure that the fat that's, that's metabolized is efficiently metabolized and that there's not residual uh, fat oxidation that goes on. So I think we have time for another question. So I'd like to uh, throw it out for um, someone else who had a question that hasn't had a chance to ask yet. Uh, and then we'll uh, end the recording. So go ahead. Um, is it available in Canada? Yeah, it, it is actually available in Canada. We do ship to uh, Canadian addresses. You um, order um, like anybody else would. Um, we do not have an office yet in Canada, but uh, we are actually located in Maryland, and we do, um, like I said, ship to Canadian addresses. So um, you will be you know, billed in U.S. dollars, and I guess if you pay by credit card or um, that conversion to the Canadian dollar will be, uh, you'll see that conversion on, on your credit card. But um, your ordering process is the exact same as, as anybody living in the U.S. And there's no problem with customs? Nope. Um, sometimes the delivery time is a little bit longer. It's, uh, it takes a little bit more than two to three days. Um, it can take probably up to a week, but uh, so far we haven't, uh, for the past three years, we've been, we have other products going into Canada, and we haven't had any problems. Good. Thank you. I have a In order to contact you online, I only got the nutrition.com. What was the first, first it's, word? It's F-O-L-A-C-E. F-O-L-A-C-T-E. No. It, no. S like so. It, it, S like S-O-L-A-C-E, nutrition.com. Okay. Thank you very much. And I think I um, owed somebody a question who, who had jumped in at the same time as Ellen. So uh, That was me. Oh, that was you. Okay. And uh, I heard someone else speak up just a moment ago. So we had another question? Yeah, I have a quick question. The Go ahead. concentrated form of uh, Cyto-Q that's coming out in August, will that have the same NDC code, the new one? It will have a different NDC code because it is a different form of the product. Um, it will be the equivalent of, I think it's seven cases of um, Cyto-Q. Um, and it will be much more economical in terms of the cost per dose equivalent. 
and you'll be um, you'll on your website. You'll have the new uh, code. The new NDC. Yes, we will. Thank you. On the side OQ, I know it's sensitive to oxygen, but on the box it just says, you know, to use it quickly. But how quickly is quickly? That's oh. something that we don't have firm evidence on. Um, you know, in terms of minutes, hours. As long as the product is, if, if you reclose, we've made it in a foil package that can be reclosed. Right, I don't know if that's a word. Uh, resealed is probably a better word. I think that that's probably in the English dictionary rather than reclosed. Um, and if you use like a metal clip or something to seal the product, as long as you've made a oxygen um, barrier for the product, you should be fine for a period up to eight hours or so. Okay, thank you. Can I, can I ask something about, uh, can you talk a little bit, if you, if you could, about any adverse reaction to the ubiquinol, the, the Cytoq? Do you know of people that may have difficulty with that? Because I think I do. And I, I'm not saying your product particularly, but with ubiquinol as opposed to other forms of CoQ10. Or maybe there's some way of tolerating it better that you know of. Or... Um, I don't know what, what. Yeah, I don't know what. Um, gastric problem. You, gastric problems. Okay. Um, we haven't had anybody um, talk to us about any type of gastric problems with uh, Cytoq. Um, I know that there's problems uh, sometimes with too much energy. Um, some of the children, um, the parents. The parents will tell you they exhibit some sort of a kind of hyperactivity, um, and that's just a matter of lowering the dose and taking it at a different time of day. You don't want to take it too close um, to nighttime. It's better to late afternoon at the most. Um, but in terms of GI issues, uh, we haven't heard any on our side, and I'm not aware of any um, in the literature um, to date, but that doesn't mean that there aren't any. And it might actually behoove you to take the product um, with a meal and not on an empty stomach. Um, you know, sometimes all medicines will have an individual reaction, and you know, maybe just a little bit of experimenting around with some type of food or a cracker or something that you're consuming with the product, just so that you're not getting the load all at once. Right. Yes. Okay. I have done that, but it still doesn't seem to sit well with me. But uh are you on a high dose, sir? I would. I, I've taken when I've taken ubiquinol form of CoQ10. I've taken three to four hundred milligrams, in because I, I I was experimenting with it. I I'm on a higher dose of CoQ10 than that, but okay. And have you spread it out throughout the day? Uh, yes. So you're taking a hundred milligrams three times a day, or something, something like that. Like that, yeah. In addition, yeah, I mean it's an it's an individual thing, um, and you know there there is literature out there that actually says that ubiquinol is more bioavailable, yes, than ubiquinone. So I mean it's probably best to consult consult with your physician, and maybe um, you can talk with them about the dosing level that you're actually consuming, and you know what would be the most appropriate. Mark, as a question to, similar to that, is there an adjustment in dosage between 
CoQ10 in the ubiquinone form versus the ubiquinol form? Christy, we, we don't have human data on that. We actually have laboratory data that we've been able to extrapolate. So uh, being that mitochondrial disease is an individualized disease, it really comes down to the individual, um, basically what type of dysfunction they have within their enzyme cascade. So what, there's not a universal type of um, bioavailability multiplication or division. It's something that's really individualized. So again, we would really prefer that the doctor who's supervising the patient makes that determination. But you know, on the different listservs and so forth, we have heard that people are reducing their doses by a third. Okay, great to know. So I'm actually going to thank you and end the recording, and then we'll continue with the, um, some additional chat. But I want to thank Nancy and Mark for um, sharing your experience and your expertise. And Nancy and Mark, for the purpose of those who are listening in the future, would you mind providing, again, the name of your website and um, either a telephone number or an email address so that um, people can contact you. I'll post those on the summary on mitoaction.org as well, but that way we've got it um, right here. So if you would provide that, please. Yeah, sure. Our website is www.solacenutrition.com, and that is S-O-L-A-C-E, nutrition, all one word, dot com. Our toll-free number is 888-8-SOLUS, which is 888-876-5223. Um, we do have a general email um, address that you can email any question to, and that is info, I-N-F-O, at solusnutrition.com. Um, and if you dial that toll-free number, 888-876-5223, you are more than welcome to ask to speak to uh, Mark or I, um, and we'll be available to take your calls as well. Great. So thank you so much for your time today, and I hope that this has been helpful. Again, this is Christy Balsells, and if you have any questions that I can help you with or uh, can direct you to the right source, hopefully, you can always contact me as well, director at mitoaction.org. So for those of you who are on the call, don't hang up. I'm just going to end the recording, and then we'll continue to chat. <laughs>